0: I'm kind of limp watching this. (laughs) Welcome to Sincast, presented
1: by CinemaSins.
0: Alright, guys, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins Jeremy Scott. Howdy hi. And from Music Video Sins Barrett Share. Hello! And we're continuing this series of best of years in which we've been alive. This one is 1986. Bueller. Bueller. Dance magic dance, dance magic, dance. Dance, magic dance. dance, magic, dance, magic. Get away
1: from her, you bitch! You've lost the...
0: Don't you look at me, fuck. Um you know the first thing that pops off on 1986 when I look at the IMDb's like, you know, list of like popular 86 movies and everything, it's basically the one two punch of Ferris Bueller's Day Off and Stand by Me. Mm-hmm. Um and I say one two punch because John Hughes and Rob Reiner could not have been in a hotter streak of movies I don't think these two directors have been touched as far as, like, coming out with a movie, like, basically every year and and coming out with quality movies every single time. Yeah, this was in
2: Rob Reiner's run with, like, When Harry Met Sally and, like... I had this whole podcast that was too echoey to use where a friend and I talked about directors who've had five good movies in a row. And it's basically Hitchcock and Rob Reiner. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Unless you sort of bend the rules on what counts as a great movie. Um, And you're right. He was in his prime right now and on Stand By By Me. And that was – that's one of my favorite movies from – any era
0: oh yeah uh and it's it's a it started uh reiner's sort of relationship with uh stephen king adaptations he he does it a couple of more times i think stand by me is just just one of those movies it's just you can watch that anytime it's uh it, it doesn't matter where it is in the movie it's great it's got and it's got a cast that just went on to be huge uh afterwards you don't see Uh, That happened very often with young actors like that. You have like that young anyway, like, you know, 12, 13 years old, all going on to have pretty big careers. Of course, uh, River Phoenix was taken from us way too soon. But, you know, it's just I mean, that's just a fantastic movie and a little uh, cameo with John Cusack in there, too.
1: Yeah. And it's weird. It's the it's one of the only uh, film adaptations of Stephen King that's not horror right yeah I mean, right yeah just kind of a straightforward exactly. coming
0: of uh, age it, story it's actually like the horror has happened off screen because they're going yeah. to go see a dead body and yeah. and uh and it's kind of uh yeah it's really uh interesting uh that i, I don't i never read the uh is it a novella that stephen king wrote yeah, for it's called the body. yeah it's called yeah. the body okay and and what and it was it was it anything like this it was kind of like Shawshank where they kind of changed a lot of things and made it? Into- no,
1: no, it's, it's very true, uh, true to form. If I, if I remember correctly, it's, it's pretty close but to the, uh, to the actual text there.
0: Mm. Oh, okay uh two huge action movies top gun and aliens yeah uh top gun uh i think is what really put cruise on the map uh he had he was sort of like the up-and-comer with risky business and all this other stuff top gun really put tom cruise in that just that huge stratosphere and like everything he came out with after that was making hundreds of millions of dollars every single time. Yeah. Um, but, uh, top gun, uh, it's over the years, it's gotten a weird reputation, right? Like it, (laughs) it used to be like the most awesomest movie ever back in 1986. Uh, and then people <laughs> I just keep running into people who hate it, just completely hate it. And also it has and there's a there's a moment in the movie Sleep With Me where Quentin Tarantino yeah. has, this, has this big, huge rant about how it's one of the best scripts ever made because it's got all, all this homosexual under undercutting in it, basically like everything in, in the movie is, is basically like whether Tom Cruise should be gay or straight in the movie. And it's so funny. You you can find that clip on YouTube, by the way, you don't need to watch sleep with me. Just find the Quentin Tarantino clip where he's talking about Top Gun. It's great.
1: Well, between between Top Gun and Take My Breath Away and uh, <laughs> Pretty in Pink, Labyrinth, oh yeah, uh, a few other uh, movies this year. Like it, it was a big year for theme songs. Mm-hmm. Ferris are doing Twist and Shout and things like that. It was a nice tie-in from uh, from music to to movies for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, in Labyrinth, you had David Bowie basically just you know uh, uh, that's just such an that's such th- it isn't this both. Uh, what you would never think David Bowie would do and also everything David Bowie would do <laughs> yeah. because it's it's like that right I mean you watch labyrinth and and it's like this is so unusual but it's so David Bowie too <laughs> um, Well for
1: our generation that was that was standard issue Bowie right? yeah yeah. We didn't know about the Ziggy Stardust days until later on and what he became in the 90s and the the 2000s. So this was kind of when they do that Flight of the Concord thing with Bowie in space and things like that, uh, they referenced like the different phases of Bowie. And the final phase of Bowie was 1986 Labyrinth Bowie. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, was, it starts walking on walls and shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: what else, guys? Well, um, you know, there was a, a little movie called The Color of Money. Mm, yeah, um, yeah happens to be one of my personal favorites Um, uh
0: sequel to the hustler
2: yeah yeah uh like years later Mm -hmm. decades later and uh another uh young tom cruise but unlike top gun he shows off some acting chops in this movie um which might have been the first movie where he really displayed that kind of talent um i love that movie if you've never seen it um i recommend it highly um but uh, also, we're, we got to talk about, this is not the best movie of 1986, but we got to talk about Three Amigos because mm-hmm. yep. out of all these movies we're going to talk about, the the ones from 1986 I watched the most, hands down, were uh, Hoosiers and Three Amigos. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And that's probably evident in the Sins videos with how often we put three amigos audio at the end of the
0: outtakes. I didn't see three amigos when it came out in theaters and I remember because I was in third grade I guess or fourth third and fourth in 1986 uh, but I just remember so many people doing that little, uh, you know, thing that they do. The yeah. Of- yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember so many people doing that. It was such a huge movie, like for people my age, you know, just doing that in general. But like I watched it later and yeah, it's it's such a fantastic comedy. So good. And and of course, it, um, you know, it has inspired uh, Bugs Life and the Galaxy Quest and all that uh, later on. It's so quotable. Yes. And it's so absurd.
1: There's just crazy, crazy shit in there that just you don't see anymore. Like, it's a bonkers comedy, and everybody... Is at their peak and they're playing off of each other at their peak. Yeah, it's it's awesome. It's so much fun to watch.
0: Um, another uh, another one. Uh, it, this might be David Cronenberg's most accessible movie, but it's also still strange <laughs> and weird. And it's The Fly, it's which is sentences
2: should never be uttered. Like I don't know that he has any approachable. Well,
0: <laughs> The Fly is as close as it gets. It's as it's, it's It's you know, it's sci-fi horror and it's still got Cronenbergism in it. But like it's it's pretty straightforward overall, yeah. but uh, it's a fun movie. Um, what do you guys think about Hoosiers? I love
2: Hoosiers, love Hoosiers, okay? Because I, I was like, it was in my top five as I was sort of narrowing down my choices, and I was looking all these up online to see you know what the academy or other critics thought of it. And it doesn't seem to have that great a reputation, um, among like the IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes. Seemed kind of average score. And I was like, wait, I thought that movie was great. Is yeah. It just I, thought, I lived in Indiana. <laughs> no, I
0: thought everybody loved Hoosiers. Um, yeah. uh, I mean, 7.6 yeah. on the AMDB is, is generally classic. So, okay. Okay. um, I I mean, I, I mean, there are some things about it where, you know, you, you, sit there and you watch this, this team that basically only has seven players on it or whatever. And, and they go and, and take on this much Bigger team at the end, like just huge team, like, like what in the world, how in the world are they keeping up with that team at all? <laughs> yeah. doesn't make any sense. Like, and, and you know, they, obviously they, they took liberties with the actual story and everything. Right. So that's, that's the reason why it's, it seems so incongruous, but, um, uh, but Hoosiers is great though. I mean, you okay. can't, you can't just, you can't watch that movie without like really feeling something the entire time. Yeah time during their huge run and like especially like you know the the scenes where like uh where you know they they fire gene hackman and the the best player in the in the little town decides you know i'll play as long as the coach stays it's such a great moment you know i don't know all the music Yeah.
2: And I just this
0: is this is like this is classic Gene Hackman Dennis Hopper territory too. Like Gene Hackman has that great you know, he's just that great scene where he's like, you know, throw me out of the game or, you know, I'm going to start, <laughs> I'm going to start screaming like a bloody fool or whatever. And, and, and uh, and they just tells the ref, like, just, just kick me out of the game. And, and he does it for Dennis Hopper so he can be the coach of the team yeah, and everything. Yeah. And Dennis Hopper is, I, he got nominated for that too. I oh, think wow. Was, um, his one Oscar nomination, maybe, I don't know if he's ever gotten nominated other times, but, uh, he got nominated for this. So awesome. good movie yeah okay good oh well and then speaking of dennis hopper blue velvet and you're talking about not accessible ooh, ooh, ooh. david lynch <laughs> <laughs> why are all the inaccessible
2: directors <laughs> named david
0: yeah exactly <laughs> david lynch is such a weird director man like look i i enjoy probably most of the movies i've ever seen from david lynch i don't think i've ever understood them all completely though <laughs> you know yeah, and blue right velvet's man. another one of those it it's it's as straightforward as a David Lynch movie gets. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Oh, he is so... Dennis Hopper, if you haven't seen this, Dennis Hopper is like evil incarnate in this movie. Yes. And he's just got this... It's almost like... like Bane in, in uh, the dark Knight rises where he's, he's got this, this ventilator thing that, that he huffs nitrous oxide, I guess right. And uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. makes him somehow even creepier. It's, it's absolutely crazy.
0: And he keeps finding creative ways to put the word fuck in everything he <laughs> says, he'll, he'll punctuate a sentence with it. You know, it's just, it's one of those things, you know? Um, but yeah, blue velvet is one of those movies that I recommend watching. Like if you're in the mood, for something very strange, you know. So and and it's and it's you know it's one of the, it's it's a very good movie. It's just that it's got so many weird things in it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, we need to talk about Manhunter a little bit, right? Yes, absolutely. Is, uh, Hannibal
2: Lecter, or basically. Yeah, this story. was
0: yeah this was Brian Cox playing Hannibal Lecter, and right. and playing just like uh, all these novels do. It's it's more about. Uh, seeing what he knows about another serial killer in order to get get that person right um but uh but brian cox plays plays hannibal lecter and it's and, it, and if you're used to anthony hopkins it's such a weird performance you know yeah it's completely different from what we know of anthony hopkins but william peterson who later of csi fame was is the uh, investigator in that too and a uh, good movie really good yeah i like it a lot uh, what else guys Ugh. No, you don't really? like it?
1: You don't like Manhattan? No. No. I mean it, it just it, it hit all the the parts of the Red Dragon that it was taken from, which was remade into the, the movie Dragon. called The Red Dragon. Right.
2: right. Ratner's finest right. film.
1: Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I thought William Peterson was way over the top whenever he was investigating somebody. Like he always, he's always talking it out loud and he's always talking about the case. And he's like, here's what you did. You did this. You were looking right (laughs) at him, right? You did. Didn't you? You son of a bitch. You did. You little son of a bitch. Like he says that over and over again.
0: Well, and I haven't seen it in a long time. So when I watch it again, I'm just going to be sitting there with maniacal laughter the entire time. (laughs) Maniacal (laughs) maniacal laugh. (laughs) Maniacal laugh.
2: Well, uh, speaking of laughing and comedy, um, um, there's some good comedies from this year that we still haven't yeah. mentioned, mm-hmm. um, Big Trouble in Little China,
0: yeah, you
2: know, which is being remade
0: with The Rock. Of course it is. Um, like everything, The yeah. Rock is starring in half the movies and in production right now. it will instantly make more than this movie made back in 1986. It sure. made like $11 million, I think, in 1986. Yeah. It'll one probably those, do that in its opening weekend.
2: It's like the classic example of Bomb that turned into a hit later, um, but you know, it's not. I don't think it's like a great movie or anything. But it's sure is a fun oh, it's time. So
0: entertaining to watch it uh, at any time. Um, I mean, it, it's yeah. You're right. It's never great, but it's it's so watchable. Um, and John Carpenter secretly, just quietly making gr- just all these fun movies for like yeah. nearly a decade at this point in his career. Uh, hardly anything is amiss he's speaking about you know talking about directors who were on a role carpenter was and he he continues that a couple years after this too yeah.
2: yeah. And uh another big comedy Golden Child.
0: Yeah, which uh <laughs> Big Trouble in Little China, they made quickly in in order to beat this one because it was so similarly themed.
2: Right, right. And it was also a movie I wasn't allowed to watch. Any reviews was pretty much off limits for my growing up years, but, but it
0: uh, was his like first PG-13 movie like in a string of R-rated movies. And I, and and believe I wasn't allowed to watch this movie either, but uh, but uh, but it was uh it was a it was sort of a step down from him from what he had been doing up to this point yeah yeah at least in terms of like the hardness of the comedy yeah
1: speaking of comedies one more i want to mention the money pit yeah uh, oh yeah one that i've seen probably the most maybe the most of this this year and it's a terrific comedy do you guys like this at all
2: i've only seen it like twice i remember liking it but it's not one that you know hit me as I need to watch this over and over again. But well, I'm and
0: same here, well. same here, same uh, here. The But, you know, in the indelible image of Tom Hanks laughing at a hole in the in the floor yeah. is always going to be uh, with me because you don't see that type of thing in comedies anymore. Like just someone just going for it like that or being allowed to go for it like that. and And they uh, keep on him for a while yes they they let him go they do that thing that i i've I've heard simpsons writers talk about where like it's funny at first and then they purposely put it to a point where it's going so long that it's not funny anymore but the longer you go it gets funnier again (laughs) (laughs) and it's kind of like that (laughs) crazy
1: (laughs) yeah but no it's it's funny man that's tom hank's I think Tom Hanks is really coming into his own because he he did Splash and Bachelor Party and everything, and now he's he's right in the comedy zone. This is obviously before he started going into dramas and things like that. So yeah, if you want to see prime Hanks? This is prime Hanks.
0: Yeah, this this is sort of his stepping stone into big, which would be his first mm-hmm. huge big you know uh, hit and everything. But uh, uh, but yeah, he he's he's definitely prime Hanks here. And I wish he had kind of kept that career, but once he went uh, to Philadelphia and all that other type of stuff. It, it became harder for him, I think to be just like doing that eighties Tom Hanks anymore. So there's, um, one more huge comedy from this year, um, that we have to talk about nine and a half weeks. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, um, it was a salacious movie back in 1986. Oh, oh, God, was it controversial. But then you watch it today, and you're like, ah, oh, man, this is, I'm kind of limp watching this. Yeah, basic instinct <laughs> makes that movie look tame, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Right. Yeah, this movie, I, I remember we did this for an, an Everything Wrong With or whatever, and I was like, oh, my God, how much are we going to have to blur out of this? yeah oh, not much. Not very much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But isn't isn't
2: this one of the movies where that urban legend is they supposedly had real sex during one of the scenes?
0: uh, I'm sure. I'm sure like every one of these movies where there's like sex is involved. There's a rumor of some sort, but I I don't know. I I don't know of a a major one. I might be thinking of a different one. Yeah. It's pre-boxing career Mickey
1: Rourke. So she probably found him attractive enough.
0: Yeah. Yeah. um, Well, and 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 before you told the joke, Jeremy, I thought you were going to talk about back to school. (laughs) um the uh this is a this is a funny this has got some funny stuff in it but i hate this movie oh me too what yeah it's not good at all it's not good uh rodney dangerfield has some has some really good play on words and i love the sam kennison thing um but yeah when you i actually watched this oh two or three months ago or so and I was like, man, this movie's just not good at all. There's a few funny moments in it, but that's it.
1: Yeah, no, it's not a good movie or anything. It, it depends on, it's like if you like Bob Dylan or if you like Bruce Springsteen and you like their delivery and you like their whole um, oeuvre. You yeah, know? Yeah. If you don't like Rodney Dangerfield, just kind of conceptually, I don't know if you do or not. It, this is kind of like a screwball right in Dangerfield's wheelhouse. And I wasn't a huge fan of it, but I, I like this movie just because I kind of just saw it enough to where it, it, the jokes kind of landed on me.
2: Yeah. This was uh, a great Steve Martin year because I don't think we've talked about Little Shop of Horrors yet. No, nope. <laughs> Yeah. And so with Three Amigos and Little Shop of Horrors, that, it's right up there with some of his finest work, I think. I think Little Shop is maybe <laughs> – maybe that's – Maybe that's uh, not everyone's taste. I don't know. It's one of those movies I love, oh, but I it's such a feel.
0: fun movie. Um, the especially the Big Green Mother from Outer Space song uh, and all that, whatever they call that. But uh, that song always got me just going because it's, it's such a it's such a fun song. Yeah, and yeah. And this is probably the this. this, this there was another uh, Little Shop of Horrors that came out in what the sixties or something like that. Yeah, Jack, Jack Nicholson.
1: Jack Nicholson was in it. Yeah. yeah martin's part right? yeah
0: and i yeah yeah and I've, i haven't seen that one and of course i, I believe this was a stage play right, right. before, before it before that started. stage musical but this is the uh most popular version of it that i know of and it and it's uh it's got such a great cast in it uh and and funny and entertaining and uh so yeah i i if you haven't seen that i would recommend it
2: well uh i've still got a few on my list that i think are worth mentioning as you know, memorable movies, even though they're not com- competitive for the top prize, mm-hmm. but, um,
0: space camp,
1: everyone yeah. I know, watched yeah. that movie. Yeah.
0: Which, uh, um, oddly came out in the same year that challenger exploded. Yeah. Um, I believe they had to, I believe they did something. They did some sort of charity thing, with it when it came out, but it was one of those unfortunate things where they made a movie about space, you know, NASA and everything. And then, and then the, that horrible disaster happened on my yeah. birthday, no less. Oh, jeez. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, Space Camp, uh, I haven't seen that since 1986, I don't think.
2: Oh, I haven't either. And I'm, I doubt it holds up very well, but it's, it's you know, it's, it, it was important to me for a time. Yeah. Um, we also mentioned last week, I think in the preview, I was joking mostly, but Mosquito Coast came out this year. Mm-hmm. This is River Phoenix, Harrison Ford. Um, it's weird. Uh it I I I land on the side of it being enjoyable, but it's it's not for everybody. Um it's about this guy who moves his whole family down into the jungle and kind of goes crazy a little bit. Um anyway, um also, have you guys ever seen The Name of the Rose? I haven't. Mm. That's uh Sean Connery and the youngest. Um, Christian Slater, you're likely to find on film. <laughs> yeah. And basically investigating a murder at a monastery. Um, it's set way back in the past and it's, uh, basically, a Spanish Inquisition era type mm-hmm. setting background. Um, I enjoy it. I, I don't, it's kind of slow and it's not anywhere near the best movie of the year, but it was worthy in my mind of putting on the list. Um, well, speaking
1: of slow, let me throw one out there. If you are... Uh, I've talked about him before on this. Jim Jarmusch uh, directed a movie called Down by Law in mm-hmm. this year. And we had talked about Roberto Benigni actually being uh, in in Life is Beautiful. This was his first uh, American film role. And uh, it starts with uh, John Lurie, who worked with Jim Jarmusch a million times, and Tom Waits, who's you know the, the iconic singer Tom Waits. But he's also a terrific actor. And these guys are terrific together. Like they're hilarious uh, three guys that are getting out of a New Orleans jail and trying to make their way back and everything. and Roberto Benigni barely understands English. I think it may be actual, like he didn't understand them. And, uh, no, it's really, it's really, really good. It's very deliberately paced, much like all of his stuff, but you should check it out for sure.
0: Um, also, uh, uh, this is definitely the strangest Star Trek that has ever come out, right? Star Trek (laughs) four. That is the weirdest one ever. But I love it. I love it so much. Well, and yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's kind of like Rocky four, right? It's, it's the same type of deal, uh, when it comes to um the this movie because it just doesn't make any sense that it <laughs> that that it that it is enjoyable in in any at all um, yeah. so um yeah that it, i mean what what was going on in the 80s man like these movies that you know that basically franchises that were that came from the seventies, when they got into the late eighties, they started just going nuts, man. Yeah. Um,
2: well, and this is up there. Star Trek for the Voyage Home is, is up there with uh, Demolition Man in my mind in, in terms of the, like the most simple pitch for a movie ever. Like someone said, "Let's make this Save the Whales," <laughs> uh, just like somebody said. Let's make this a Taco Bell action movie. Right. Um, and, and that was it. And and so the deci- key decisions were made before anything was done that that derailed the possibility of it being great. I,
0: uh, I mean, it, do you remember the – did you guys see that Key and Peele thing when they're doing the Gremlins 2 pitch? I saw the headline. I didn't click it. Oh, my God. It's one of their funniest ones. Um, uh, And, I mean, Gremlins 2, we'll get to that, like, later on, but – But it reminds me of that, like the just every insane idea that comes up at the table, they just decide, yep, that's going to be in the movie or whatever, (laughs) you know. And not any, not any no men in the room, just all yes men, (laughs) right, right. Um, uh, And I know a movie that me and a neighbor, an old neighbor, used to watch all the time was Iron Eagle. Um, um it was like and, top gun jr yeah it was top gun mm-hmm. jr it came out the same year and i remember watching it i didn't watch it in the theaters but i watched it a couple years later and i thought oh they must have made this movie because of top gun but no they, they made this movie in the same year yeah, but, i uh, saw
1: that movie at the local blockbuster and almost rented it probably like 17 times
0: so it yeah, was like, yeah. looks pretty good never did
2: <laughs> and I, remember, I think they made like three or four of them didn't they
0: yeah in fact it might be past that at this point they may have made more yeah, yeah they made a ton they made a ton of those um I, but was it I, lewis gossett jr yeah yeah. yeah yeah and it's just i just remember I, the, the thing i remember the most about it though is the, the kid i think it's jason gedrick who's like you know, like I'm just—he's telling Louis Gossett Jr. he's like, "I'm ready, I'm ready, man." And Louis Gossett Jr. is like, "You ain't ready for shit, boy." <laughs> and we kept re—we kept rewinding it back and forth because we thought that was the funniest thing ever. We saw it and we watched it thirty times before letting the movie go. Um, also, um, an American Tale came out in 1986. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um. Uh, another. Uh, an, another formative cartoon. Uh. When I was young. Um. Especially the somewhere out there song and all that you know yeah. it's just uh um uh, this is don bluth in his prime don bluth yeah. was just amazing so um yeah, and I, lo- I felt so sorry for that little mouse yeah, yeah i did too, <laughs> <laughs> did too. Um, um, how do you guys feel about highlander i am a big fan of highlander but it's not as good of a movie as i remember like uh yeah i remember really liking it when i was a teenager and then when you watch it later, it's like eh, there's some some bad things in this, but yeah, no, but still a kind of a cult classic. Yeah, a
1: measure of cultural impact. And you're you then, know, why didn't Christopher Lambert have a bigger career? Do you think
0: well, it's because of his accent?
1: Yeah, the accent.
0: I mean, right. I mean, yeah, Schwarzenegger got away with it because I think people it, it was easily imitable and all this other type of stuff, but. But like, uh, but like Christopher Lambert has got that really, I don't know. It's a really weird French accent, you know? Yeah, and I think only one. Yeah. And, uh, and so he, he was relegated to all these, uh, you know, these B movie, you know, straight to video type movies and everything you know and mortal combat. <laughs> <laughs> <Just the first. laughs> yeah. Just the first one. Yeah. He didn't even want to go to the second one. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm a fan of Highlander. Um, uh, I really like it. Um, and it's got and you were talking Barrett. You're talking about soundtracks and stuff. The Queen soundtrack that's on. Oh that, yeah. Um, is uh, is uh, is you know, I don't know if I don't know if Queen fans love it, but I do. I think it's is good. it the King of the Universe. Um, who mm-hmm. wants to live forever. Um oh, and yeah. um there's another one I think on there, but I can't remember it right now. But Who Wants no, to... That's
1: a Badass soundtrack. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Who, Who it's Wants Wants to probably live. one of the more rocking ones that they've had. Well, and
0: Who Wants to Live Forever is like a huge ballad and everything, but it's the one that's like all the way through the through the movie. But mm. um but yeah, I, I enjoy that. I enjoy that. Um another movie that came out in nineteen eighty six, The Transformers. The yeah. Uh and uh it really uh, that movie uh, took your childhood and just uh, gunned it down right yeah, in the beginning, the horrible. first 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, and, and it's, and that's the reason why it's awesome, by the way, uh, because it didn't give a fuck. It just said, you know what? You like these characters? <laughs> fuck them. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, love transformers, the movie way better than any of the other transformers that have come out. Since. Oh,
2: for sure. And um, I have mentioned last week, I think that I was I wasn't a GI Joe kid. I was a Transformers kid. I watched the cartoons after school. I had Transformers comic books. Um, I had all the toys. And so this movie is right in my wheelhouse, and I'm glad you, I'm glad you
0: brought it up. Uh, there's actually plenty of others to talk about. I'll go just kind of run through them. Um, Uh, The Hitcher, uh, which, if you're a big Rutger Hauer fan, is a good sort of uh, suspense movie. Uh, If you're a big Rutger Hauer fan.
1: Yeah. For all of you people out there that are big Rutger Hauer fans. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, there's at least five, right? Uh, (laughs) There's a Venn diagram of the Rutger Hauer fan club and the Sincast fans. Well,
0: it's like. uh, There's probably a one and a half. Hey, they probably like Blade Runner, too. (laughs) (laughs) They probably like Blade Runner. there's a you know i mean surely surely there's at least six people out there that like running around. six <laughs> at least six yeah, at least totally. and then and c thomas howell <laughs> let's not forget c thomas howell too <laughs> c thomas there's a huge fan base for c thomas howell as well <laughs> um but uh the hitcher is a i don't know if you guys have ever seen the hitcher but it's a it's yeah. a it's a good suspense movie you got a little good suspense b movie or whatever yeah um the great mouse detective came out in 1986 yeah. um at that was close just last night oh was it well, i
2: was flipping by and i saw it for a few minutes
0: um at close range uh came out in 1986 that was shot partially at my future high school uh it was shot mm. in franklin uh and it was shot um also during the time that madonna and sean penn had just gotten married so there was like a whole bunch of paparazzi all over Franklin, <laughs> this small town of Franklin trying to get pictures of Sean Penn and Madonna during that time. Uh, mm. So that was like, uh, but uh, at close range, aside from the fact that it was shot in my hometown and everything, is it actually a really good movie if you've never seen it? Uh, and what else? Is there anything else? Uh, we I don't think we have mentioned Platoon yet. No. I didn't
2: um, come. Oh yeah, it's on my list. How did yeah. we not mention that? Well,
0: I think we just we went past all these big, big movies, and and I think we just assumed we had. Platoon was the Oscar winner for Best Picture in 1986. Mm. Um, I this is this is Oliver Stone, but I'm trying to think if it's was it his? It wasn't his d- debut, was it? He came out with something else before that. He didn't. Yeah, he had not really done anything huge up until this point. Platoon um but uh i i, I generally like all of these huge vietnam war movies they're all good like apocalypse now platoon and full metal jacket i generally like them all but platoon um especially with the the scene uh where it, you know the adagio for strings music is going oh, on yeah. and all that mm-hmm. uh it's got a it's got a good sort of like uh I guess a uh, rivalry between Tom Berenger and Willem Dafoe in the, in the movie and everything. Uh, I really enjoy platoon. I don't think I would, I mean, I don't think it's going to win, but it's, it's gotta be considered at least in this whole, you know, uh, 1986 best of or whatever. I won't deny its quality, even though it's not going to get my vote. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I really do love platoon. It's a, it's a good movie. And, uh, but I, I think I have some others that I like better.
2: The only ones I got left on my list are are terrible movies like Howard the Duck that Mm -hmm. are just only only where they've mentioned because they're so bad.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and for and then for some reason, they decided to show him in an end credit scene in Guardians of the Galaxy for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) that was a huge payoff. I love I loved that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love sitting through 15 minutes of credits to get to that (laughs) type of scene. (laughs) I remember thinking,
1: what the fuck?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the way it is always. I, I've gotten to the point now where I, I, I probably should have done this a long time ago, but I'm just going to leave now. I'm just going to leave before that end scene actually happens because I'm Somebody not on the internet will tell you I'm not missing anything. Um, uh, we haven't mentioned we, we mentioned, I think, in a previous podcast, short circuit, but I don't think we talked about it. Oh, you're right. We didn't. Um,
2: it's not great. That no.
1: That not hold up at all.
0: No, but another huge, like, you know, when you're nine, great movie. <laughs> oh, jeez.
1: I watched the hell out of that movie.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah,
1: the robot becomes essentially human. And, and even though it's it's not even remotely human-like, it, uh, it, uh, you empathize with it. Yeah. And uh, between he, – he picks up his name by listening to Who's Johnny, which I think is a rock set song or uh, – or is it Boy?
0: No, I can't remember. Anyway. Like I know. Some, some shitty 80s song. Yeah. And There's uh, probably more fans a, of Rutger Hauer than that band. Yeah, <laughs> you know, probably so.
1: And uh, you got Fisher Stevens with a, a really absurd, like, not since Mickey Rooney and Breakfast with Tiffany's have you seen, like, an entire culture just demeaned by an accent. Oh, uh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, it's one of Indian those worst accent. examples.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um... Uh, Crocodile Dundee came out Mm -hmm. in 1986. Another one that uh, I remember... We we had some sort of Aussie fever back in the '80s, you know. <laughs> it's like we love Crocodile Dundee and we love Yahoo Sirius and Young Einstein <laughs> and all this other time was done. Uh But you know, uh, Crocodile Dundee has that you know the classic "That's not a knife" line and all that other type of stuff, and that's about it. Um, uh, what else? Cobra is another one that came out in '86. Oh, wow. But uh, I think we're ready to vote.
1: I think that. we are. We're scraping right. the bottom of the barrel now.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, what's the order today, Barrett?
1: The order today is Barrett, Jeremy, and Chris as the deciding vote. Ooh, okay. This is going to be really... I am really curious to see where this goes.
2: I am too. Yeah.
1: Well, before I move on to the vote, I just want to clarify that El DeBarge is the band that did Who's Johnny.
0: Oh, okay. I
1: feel like... A real weight has been lifted off of my chest. If you're a <laughs> big fan of the barge. <laughs> yeah. If you're a big fan <laughs> of mm. <laughs> This Venn diagram is getting bigger. For me, it's aliens hands down, even though I love platoon. I love Ferris Bueller's day off. Um, those were, were kind of the the other contenders for me, but aliens is fantastic. James Cameron, um, you know, Ellen Ripley coming back after being in cryo sleep for however many years. And you know the interplay between her and Paul Reiser and Bill Paxton, the Marines, and everything, and the alien. You know, I know what what we liked about the first one was that you didn't see the alien as much, and it, it kind of became like this this off screen haunt. Uh, with here, it's a lot more prevalent because there are more aliens and a lot more alien cubs, basically. But uh, it's a really good action film, um, really well-acted, really well-performed, really well-directed. It's my favorite.
2: Yeah, well, it's a... Uh, uh, um, it's like, a, I wish more franchises would do this, where from movie to movie, they change genres completely. Even the third Alien feels like a completely different type of movie. Um, but yeah, it's almost yeah. the antithesis of the first one, um, the... All the guns and all the shooting and action, uh, but it hits all the right high notes. It's on It's on my list of three movies I'm going to vote for, but uh, mm-hmm. I'll let Chris say his piece now. No, mm-hmm.
0: you've said everything that I needed to say, so go on and vote. I'm sorry.
2: Um, well, <laughs> um, Aliens is on my list of the three movies, should we go three rounds, that I will be putting up. For my best, but Stand By Me gets my vote um, mm. nice. for the best nice. movie of 1986. For all the reasons we talked about earlier, uh, no reason to hit all those points again, but I think it's just one of the finest films about growing up <laughs> that I've ever seen that still rings pretty true today. Um, it doesn't feel dated, not probably because it was sort of set in the past, but still, I love that movie. If I see it on when I'm flipping channels, I stop every
0: time. Yeah. Um- yeah stand by me is just generally excellent movie i'm actually surprised the imdb users have got this to 8.1 uh it's uh, that high i i don't hear a lot of people talk about this movie uh very much but it's deserving of that rating uh totally um Um, we are going to have a split vo- vote here because I'm going to, I'm going to go Ferris Bueller's day off. Um, uh, I feel like John Hughes, uh, was just cooking, uh, and you know, he was at just a different level in this. I don't know why, how he, he, I don't, it's a miracle how he did all these movies in three years. Um, uh, but Ferris Bueller's day off, if you're talking about culturally and everything, we, we, we still, People still say Bueller, yeah. Bueller, yeah. Bueller, mm-hmm. all that. It's one of the bit the best. Fantasies I've ever seen too even though it's a comedy it's one of the best fantasies I've ever seen uh, to be able to uh, do all of that stuff of course it's impossible uh, to yeah. do the things that they did in Ferris Bueller's Day Off all in one day uh, when you're in Chicago yeah, um, you get downtown to Wrigley back and everything up yeah, to you know, Forest Park yeah. but it's uh, but uh, that's part of the fantasy man and, uh, and it also uh, made us all wonder could we really uh, make our odometers go backwards <laughs> by putting a car in reverse uh, and putting it on block so it can't go anywhere um but uh there's so many things about that movie that we just we still we still uh, quote it today and we still you know i don't know it's just uh, uh of all the movies that are on here i don't see anything that's as impactful although i love aliens and i love hoosiers and i love stand by me and all these movies um i can maybe pop ferris bueller's day off at any point and just watch it so it's good sure. um, it i can't argue with that pick, man. yeah
1: it's interesting like how much it kind of ferris is kind of an asshole
0: yeah right, oh in yeah movie oh yeah I mean, he gets, he, he's a selfish asshole more than kind of he's a total asshole
1: he's a total asshole but because it's matthew broderick and playing him so it's almost like what i was saying with. Uh, with Michael J. Fox and Back to the Future uh, last week, is he he plays it so charismatically that he could you know probably kill somebody in the movie and we'd be like oh well, and you know it's and so sweet
0: and Jeffrey Jones as the principal is is doing his job <laughs> he's doing <laughs> right. his job and he is the bad guy in the movie <laughs> um, uh, and it's and it's just an interesting trick. There's also a a really awesome theory that Cameron is dreaming of Ferris Bueller. He is, he is inventing Ferris Bueller so that he can do the things that he wants to do, uh, in the movie. And if you watch it under the, under that sort of, uh, that Ferris Bueller doesn't really exist in the movie, that puts a whole other additional piece of enjoyment for you when you're watching it. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, I, okay, so we're split. So what's our second choice?
1: Let's go another round. I'm actually going to side with Jeremy and go stand by me is my second one. Right. I love that movie for the same reasons. It's it's a great coming-of-age story. Yeah. Yeah, this is going to be the longest podcast we've ever done. <laughs> um, my second is Aliens.
2: So Barry okay. Just one toed each other. Um, and now it's back I love to one to each and other. I kind of hope Chris goes like Hoosiers or something way <laughs> off.
0: Well, I'm not. I'm going to go Aliens. <laughs> oh, uh, aliens is so good. Uh, <laughs> and just, uh, just like, um, uh, you, you know, Barrett was saying there, I mean, you have, uh, how in the world that's a, that's another great magic trick that James Cameron pulled in this thing is that we loved alien for being what it was. And then in aliens, it's just all carnage and it's bill Paxton yeah. game over, man game <laughs> over. And Sigourney Weaver uh, is, is uh, has turned into a great actress by this point. Um, yeah. And, uh, and they put that, you know, fascinating relationship with her and newt, uh, in the movie where yeah. she, she's basically playing a mother figure uh, w- and she never had a chance to be a mother herself and uh, and it adds such an interesting dynamic to this action movie and we don't see that very much either where there's a female protagonist who kicks that much ass and can still be a, a mom at the same time you I always
2: know? saw Newt as like you know, uh, higher stakes Jones the cat <laughs> <laughs>
0: Right. That's exactly (laughs) right. I don't have an argument. (laughs) Um uh but uh So Alien wins. Yeah Aliens
1: wins Alien does Aliens wins, Aliens wins. Does that means
0: we uh picked Alien in seventy nine and we picked Aliens in eighty six. Yeah. Really Alien fans will be proud of us. Alien three shall not be winning best of its year. Even though that was was a David Fincher uh, movie. Uh, It's funny. We put
2: a joke in that Alien Sins video we just did about (laughs) something about that will spawn a bunch of unbearable sequels or what have you. But there are a lot of shitty Alien movies. People forget they made two Alien versus Predator movies. Yep. um, And uh, anyway. And, you know, I guess Prometheus, if you count that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But so uh, Aliens is our winner. Um, Yeah. 1987 will be next uh, the next week's one, and there's movies uh, on there, like The Princess Bride, mm-hmm. Adventures and Babysitting, Full Metal jacket, Dirty Dancing, Predator, The Lost Boys, Jaws the Revenge, <laughs> Spaceball, <laughs> Robocop, The Untouchables. See now, this is going to be a tough year. Um,
2: uh, it is, I already have a conflict conflicting opinion just on the ones you've named off so far.
0: Yeah. Empire, of the sun, the running man, lethal weapon, mannequin, so on and so forth. Wall street, um, fatal attraction, raising Arizona. Great year. Planes, trains, and automobiles. Good morning, Vietnam. I mean, it's, it's a uh, 87. I think I said this a couple of weeks ago. I remember this being a pretty good year. So we're going to have a lot to talk about, uh, mm-hmm. on the next Syncast. Uh, this week, we're going to be talking about uh, comic book crossovers, like genre crossovers.
1: I'm an ideas man, Michael. I think I proved that with F Mountain. Up is down, down is up. He says hello when he leaves, goodbye when he arrives. Time to make the chimney fucking chonga.
0: Wait, that's your pitch? Instead of just the same old boring comic book good versus evil stuff, well, maybe there's some good and evil stuff in these, but. Uh, Crossing genres uh, this time. Um, uh, Jeremy, do you want to kick us off on this one?
2: Well, I was actually going to see if you wanted to retell your idea um, that sort of spawned to this whole topic.
0: Well, it was when we uh, Barrett and I were talking about X-Men Apocalypse. And uh, I was thinking that it would be uh, funny if you had Quicksilver and Nightcrawler in a road movie. Where they're dry, you know, driving cross country or something, and they're interacting and talking and having all that dialogue, um, yeah. and uh, and and then getting in a situation that requires their abilities. Now, essentially, they're the same ability-wise. I feel like they get to places fast, and you know, it, it's a little bit differently how they do it, but uh, I think personality-wise, they're completely different. And um yeah. I think it could be it could be one of those odd couple type road movies where you have you know s- someone who and, and and you know I guess you would have uh, Nightcrawler be the straight man to you know Quicksilver's you know joke guy. Um yeah. but uh but that's sort of what I what I'm thinking is you know, instead of making a whole movie that revolves around they have to defeat this sort of evil, like, you know, have a, have a point where they're like, you know, and now of course, now I said this offhanded uh, as a road movie or whatever. I mean, I don't think they would necessarily need a car to drive around, but, um, <laughs> uh, but uh you know, maybe, you know, something that would involve them going cross country in some way, in some, in some form. Uh, but that was sort of the offhanded thing that I was saying. It was, and it's really just saying It would be nice to see them in a completely different uh, kind of picture.
2: Yeah, Um, and and so today we're going to expand on that concept, right? Yes. Um, And uh, I'm going to cheat right out of the gate and hit you with two because they're both Batman related. Okay. Um, And uh, I don't think I can claim authorship of either of these. I think I've seen these in various other forms online and enough places that I don't think anyone invented these ideas. But – I want to see a Batman horror film. Mm. I want to see a Batman film that feels like Alien, where Batman is the alien and we rarely see him and he's terrorizing this group of criminals and hunting and defeating them. Um, And I just think that would be such a – you just go all the way to the other side from, you know, I guess the Schumacher era Batmans and show us just a really visceral, R-rated, you know, he's – Scares the shit out of them. Like, no Batman movie has come close to capturing that, except maybe Batman begins in that doc scene. But um I I just like I'd like to see a whole
0: movie like that. I don't know how you guys feel. Somehow making him the antagonist instead of making him the uh, you know the the fighter of good and whatever the you know we make we'd have to make uh, the bad guys you know sort of like uh, Goodfellas or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, where we're rooting for the bad guys, but uh, but there's this you know there's this guy who keeps coming in, and, and, and it would be an interesting flip, and I would love to watch. This movie actually,
2: yeah, and my other oh, Batman yeah. one, real quick, and then you—you
1: well, you can make it. Let I me, mean, you can make it scary, I and mean, you can make it genuinely scary, right? Like. Like Alien, right? right? I mean, if you if you set up what he can do and what he's capable of, and if he kind of goes across the the line of killing people and things like that, he can make this genuinely terrifying.
0: But just think about how he is in Batman Begins when he first introduces himself, and it's in that warehouse or whatever. What is it? Right. it the was it an alleyway or a dock or something? I can't remember what it I think was. The dock, and uh, and it's almost like a horror movie in the way he he shows up in that. But we know he's the protagonist and everything. Thing in that situation, but it's not f- too far removed from what you're saying. Yeah, no, and I think it, just like Alien, I
2: don't think ultimately we care all that much about anybody but Ripley in that movie, right? Um, yeah. And so you you make one of the characters a undercover cop who's in with infiltrated this crime gang, and and we see the way. He sees Batman terrorizing the criminals, and you know you've got somebody to root for a little harder. And uh, Batman becomes the scary bad guy. I just think it would be awesome.
0: Yeah, I think it would be awesome too. And I, I, and you know these idea ideas we're going to come up with today are obviously pipe dreams because studios would never risk their uh, huge uh, franchise character in a horror movie of any sort. Right. Uh, unfortunately, um, because everybody wants to see Batman uh, beat up the bad guys and be the good guy instead of beating up anti-hero <laughs> bad right. guys. Um, well, in
2: a, another Batman they're never going to give us is that second Batman idea that I had, which is mm-hmm. basically, let's tell Batman um, as a detective, right? Like the thing that's always lost from the comics to the films uh, is the, the way that Batman's one of the greatest detectives and criminal mind or criminal you know, investigative minds Mm -hmm. uh, in the world. And, you know, again, Nolan gives us a little bit of this in The Dark Knight where he, like, pulls the chunk of wall out with the bullet and, you know, figures some stuff out that way. But I want to see, like, an L.A. Confidential-style movie that is all about, like – finding out the answers to this murder mystery and criminal syndicate or what have you. Only instead of three L.A. cops, we've got Batman we're following. Maybe even if it's Bruce Wayne sometimes. But let's see a movie where we get to show off how great his mind is. He's supposed to be like Sherlock Holmes of the comic world.
0: Yeah, most of the Batman movies that we have seen have, have had him figure something out after the fact. Um, uh, he's already figured it out and he's telling somebody about it. Or Alfred's
2: just telling him. Yeah. yeah.
0: Right. We don't get to see him actually do. And this is is an underrated part of movies is when we get to see the discovery as the uh, hero does. And, you know, it's the same thing like in the first Batman. He figures out that combination basically just from. You know, I don't know. He's just reading stuff. I don't know. Yeah. He's, leaning, he's in his basement. He's just like, he's in his back cave basement. And he's just like, oh, uh, okay. So it's just combination of chemicals. All right. We're good. And, uh, and, you know, like you don't ever get to the point where, like, you know, how did you figure that out? Did you do a whole bunch of experiments? You know, I'd like to see you with a beaker in front of you at least once. <laughs> um, so, and it's, it's always like that and, you know, and, and like the thing in the dark night where he knows who that dude is uh, at the, after the, after the big uh, shooting in the mayor and all that other type of stuff, where he's like, you know, he's from Arkham Asylum and all that. Like, <laughs> how do you fucking know, man? I wanted, I wanted to see the part where, you know, you, you went through the roster of Arkham Asylum and just memorized all those names and faces to, to yeah. whoever you might run into. Um uh, so, uh, so yeah, I would love to see a detective Batman, like you know, something where we're actually seeing the process. Yeah, I agree. Um, Barrett.
1: Yeah, seeing that character in different contexts, I think it would be genuinely just fun, just to to kind of see how he can use this ability because he is mortal and he is you know human, uh, which is makes him unique essentially in the in the uh, the superhero universe. I've kind of got somewhat of a, something like that. This, this idea was uh, inspired by a recent news story where a woman in Tennessee actually outside of Nashville in Goodlettsville um, had a, ended a relationship with her boyfriend. Boyfriend said, I'm going to kill you. And so she took a restraining order out on him. And it turns out that he has been stalking her since then for the last couple of months and basically had been breaking into her house and things like that. And so, just a couple of days ago, actually, she uh, was getting a security in- system installed and found that the guy had snuck into her house and had gotten under her bed. Oh my god! And uh, so she uh, <laughs> she, she, <laughs> she shot him, <laughs> didn't she? She discovered him and she shot him in the foot. She saw his feet sticking out from under the bed, and she shot him in the foot and uh, held him at gunpoint until police uh, showed up. Wow, that's awesome. That's that's awesome. Uh, yeah, this girl's a badass. But what it got me thinking about what if you had like a taut, suspenseful, like stalking drama uh, with two of these superheroes? And what I thought about is what if, what if Wonder Woman was being stalked by somebody like Batman? All right? <laughs> <laughs> because... You know, in these movies, uh, you know, what springs to mind immediately is like enough. The movie with uh, Jennifer right. Lopez, But you know, there are much better uh, examples of, of stalking movies. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it, it would be interesting to see because he is human and she's obviously superhuman is to see somebody like Batman getting into her head. You know, <laughs> they form a relationship. Um, they have this bond and then it ends badly. And because he is typically so obsessive, I could totally see Batman, like, coming after, you know, <laughs> stalking a woman, especially somebody like Wonder Woman, right? And if you can imagine, like, you know, the, the how terrified this woman was in reality to see this guy with his feet sticking out of his butt. Like, imagine that's Batman, you know?
0: <laughs> 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 even, even crazier right your, uh, I, think, I think it'd be a lot of fun your, your, your movie has second and third act problems uh barrett uh, <laughs> dark it's dark yeah it's and, super uh, dark I, I, and i and i don't want to i'm not pissing on your idea i think if you give it to the right person maybe it would be something right but but uh but yeah it would be it would be super dark and do we want to see batman in that light Uh, he, he's sort of gotten away with being obsessive because, well, at least he's doing the right thing. In this case, he's not doing anything. Yeah. No, I didn't, I didn't say he was going to be,
1: uh, he was going to be beloved, but I think to mitigate that whole, to mitigate that disparity between her superpowers and his just, you know, ingenious, if he could get into her head and kind of lodge in there, uh, and and strike that fear into her that he does to, to other people. I think that would be something interesting for sure.
0: <laughs> We'd have to get somebody like uh, who would direct this movie. Uh, no, James Toback. You get James Toback to do that. Oh. Uh, you know, yeah. something that's some in that obsessive type of uh, thing, um, or Paul Schrader. You could get Paul Schrader, yeah. <laughs> Paul Schrader to do it. That would be interesting. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm not saying your movie can't work. I'm just wondering, do is there a way to get a bunch of people to go watch it? Maybe not. I don't know. Um, maybe just Rutger Hauer fans. Yeah, maybe Rutger You'd Hauer You'd have fans. to have Rutger You'd Hauer You'd have to get all it. five Rutger Hauer fans to come watch it, yeah. to make a profit. Round them up and watch it frequently. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, OK, I've never been uh, uh, shy about saying Quentin Tarantino should do something different with, uh, w- you know, with different genres or whatever. Awesome. Um, I believe that Tarantino would be a great horror movie maker. And I think it would make it a lot of a lot of movies that we generally just get tired of a lot. He would make them better. Uh, I think he would make a superhero movie super great. And I, and I was sitting there thinking, like, maybe the Pulp Fiction type of comic book hero movie or whatever. And then I was thinking, was is that Sin City? I don't think Sin City really qualifies. Really? Um, Sin City is uh, definitely pulpy, but it doesn't have that great dialogue in it. Mm -hmm. um it doesn't have anything that i chew on like sin city makes me fall asleep uh it's it's very much uh style over substance to me um but i i thought about it as sort of framing it in the way that tarantino did jackie brown which is sort of a um it's sort of it's a it's sort of it's a movie about aging. Is basically what it is. Uh, it it's got a way more exciting story than the theme that I just put it. But everybody in the story is is an aging something. They're not in their prime. Um, but think about. I I was sitting there thinking about like what if you had a superhero who's like towards the end of his life or whatever. And he's got to do one more, one more thing before he retires or whatever. Uh, and, and he, and what if it's like, what if it's Tony Stark or somebody like that? Who's like gotten to the, you know, they're in their sixties or something like that. And, and, uh, and just having just general dialogue with all the other aging superheroes and everything. Um, if you can put Tarantino spin on it, uh, it would be an interesting thing. One last, one last, uh, you know, evil that they have to have to defeat, um, and and their their sort of their musings on it and everything. Um, there's a, there's other things too that you could do. You could do the pulp Fiction way, which would be what the superheroes do when the world is not being uh, attacked. Mm. Um, just uh, what their lives are in general while they're waiting for the next big bad to show up and everything. And it's just them going around walking and talking and having dialogue and things like that. Um, uh, But uh, I always thought that Tarantino would be great as far as just going across a genre And I would love to see what his spin on it. And he's always talked about comic books in every script. It seems like, especially in the '90s, yeah. Um, He's obviously a comic book fan. Mm -hmm. Uh, They just—I don't know if they've that either. Either studios don't want him to do it, or he hasn't ever found something that he wants to do. I'm not sure.
2: I think that I think there's a similar thing to what we were talking about a few minutes ago. Like, I don't think a studio would would want, just like they don't want their hero batman to be painted as evil or terrifying i don't think they are ready to take you know captain america and put tarantino's words in his mouth because you know if tarantino ever makes a superhero there's gonna be a lot of fucks in that movie and maybe a lot of n-words
0: yeah well (laughs) yeah maybe so (laughs) it would be even for tarantino i think it would be extremely weird for him to just throw those in there unless Unless, find a way. unless it's like you know, it's like a remake of I don't know, uh, was it Meteor Man that came out in the nineties? <laughs> <laughs> like you know, I, I don't know. Uh, you know exactly how he would do that, but I guess he would find a way you're right. He would find a way. Um, But, uh, but yeah, I, I don't have, I don't have like, you know, obviously I don't have like a big treatment here. I just think of, I just think that if he did it, it would be great because you would get to, you would get to hear them, uh, uh, talk like normal human beings for once, and uh, and have discussions about what they do and and everything. That's not just you know, it's not just like, hey, um, we killed a bunch of people in the last movie. We're sad about that. Let's have a civil war over it. Um, yeah. It would be more than that, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it would be it would be uh, a lot more. I don't know, dialogue-based than your typical action movie. But he would still be able to throw some good action in there, too.
2: I bet he would. I bet he would. But that – seeing them talk like normal human beings is a perfect segue into one of my other ideas. Um, All right. Which is – I want to see like Peter Parker and Mary Jane Watson – in a When Harry Met Sally style romantic comedy. And yeah. we don't see Spider-Man's activities. That's just one of the things that complicates their relationship. Um, and you get the kind of repartee and quality actors that can make, you know, make maybe get Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy <laughs> like 20 years <laughs> yeah. ago, yeah. who have the right chemistry to make something like that engaging. Uh, and again, of course, they'll never, ever make this movie. And they're never going to make a Spider-Man movie where you don't see Spider-Man being Spider-Man. But I think it would be a very interesting way to sort of, Put that all aside, that's just one of the hurdles in their relationship issues over, you know, Harry Met Sally is over the course of several years, and you could do that kind of thing here. I think it'd be a really interesting way to, to take a look at that character.
1: Yeah. So all of the Spider-Man stuff would be off camera? Yeah, in my mind it would. Yeah, yeah
0: well, and you could, <laughs> I mean, they, they kind of do that in the other Spider-Mans where, you know, you, you see Mary Jane, like, you know, uh, wondering what's going on with Spider-Man or whatever, but this would be sort of more uh, you would see this more where he, where she's, you know, alone in her apartment or whatever and watching the news. And I oh, don't even put another couple in there. Like when Harry met
2: Sally and you see her bitch into her friend at the coffee shop about uh, how often he's off playing Spider-Man and yada yada. yada.
0: Yeah. Know. Well, and it would also be great if they got into the, the sex that they have too. I mean, because that's what when <laughs> Harry met Sally was about, and like, you know, and it's like, can you imagine what kind of sex Spider-Man and Mary Jane are having? Especially when Mary Jane like figures out that he's Spider-Man. Uh, uh, you know, it, it was like it would open up a whole new world. <laughs> as Let's far do it on as the ceiling today, <laughs> you know. yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> we can do that. I can put the webs out um, uh, because, yeah. And this has just you have the that, webs. Out. be great if had some frank discussion about it and everything too. <laughs> it would be hilarious. Um, oh my god! I mean, you you specifically picked that movie, so I I, I mean, I'm th- I'm sitting there thinking like just. You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't repeat the the diner scene, but you'd have stuff like that in it, right? Right, it's an romantic comedy, anyway, yeah.
2: that's a pretty thin idea. Why don't you take your turn, Barrett?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I was uh, interesting that you you brought up Tarantino because I was thinking about a, superheroes in like an Inglorious Bastards mm. type of context, mm-hmm. and by that I mean like. In uh, like a revisionist history type of thing. And when I thought about that, obviously, it's first class and days of future past and things like that. But if you could get some of the oldest uh, superheroes, um, I use Captain America in this example. I know he's in sleep until whenever. But, uh, you know, Wonder Woman, Captain America, Wolverine, things like that. In something like you just a, crossed, uh, I know I just crossed the, the whole universe. You crossed the DC
0: but, Marvel stream, which is not yeah. a big deal because I'm going to do so that. So that's going
1: to make these ideas impossible. Is getting the, <laughs> those two universes together, right? Uh, I'd like to see them in like a Vietnam era like war movie, you mm-hmm. know, and and their w- what their decisions and what their actions do impacts the war in general and impacts how America sees them, how the world sees them, how America, how the world sees Americans, things like that.
0: Okay, Barrett, didn't you just pitch me Watchmen?
1: No, no, I did not pitch you Watchmen. Okay. Um, because these are um, in, in, encapsulated into a, a single uh, time point and a volatile time point too. And, uh, you know, I think having like the real do-gooders be the, except for maybe Wolverine, but like kind of the... The ones that are always fighting for for the the right side, uh, being you know the ones that really affect the outcome of history in such a weird time. I think it'd be interesting to see.
0: Yeah, um, it, it would be. I mean, we would obviously have to try to find a way to make that different from Watchmen, yeah. even though Watchmen really only and, and well, as far as the movie is concerned. And I haven't read the the graphic novel or anything, but. Um, but it, it, the, the movie barely touches on Vietnam and what the effects are of it. Yeah. You know, yeah. he just, you know, it's Dr. Manhattan coming in and blowing a whole bunch of stuff away. And then for whatever reason, they still need, you know, the comedian to shoot some people. I don't know why, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it, it, it just, it's like a five minute section of the movie. Exactly. Uh, Listen, you not
2: know, just shoot people. He shoots like the
0: chick in Vietnam that he impregnated, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. That's, okay. Okay. Yeah, he does, uh, but I mean, you know, the scene that they show is, you know, they they do ride of the Valkyries and everything, which I'm like, okay, I, I mean, Apocalypse Now did that, uh, I guess that's a thing, um, but like, you know, <laughs> we probably shouldn't talk too much about Manhattan uh, about uh, Watchmen because uh, everybody thinks we suck at Watchmen, but um, <laughs> but like, you know, Manhattan comes in and blows away all these people with his like, you know, but just holding his hand out, and then there's meanwhile there's a comedian up in a helicopter going all right, I'm going to shoot all the people you don't blow away. Uh, You know, um, it's, you know, you don't really understand much that's going on there unless you've read the graphic novel. I don't think, but, um, but yeah, like if you, if you made it all across Vietnam somehow and you made it where that it wasn't some all encompassing Dr. Manhattan character that can just basically just wipe everybody out when he wants to, um, yeah, these
1: are people kind of tied, yeah, tied to some semblance of reality and it'd be interesting to see how they interact with themselves and where it, I think the common theme of all this stuff for the superhero movies is that the lack of stakes, right? Like we know they're going to defeat the evil doer. It doesn't matter how uh, impossible it looks. They're going to end up defeating him, you know? Mm-hmm. And if, and so I guess that's where Marvel comes up with the idea to put them together or put them against each other. Mm-hmm. And, or DC too, they, they, you know, have them fight each other and there's stakes, but those didn't end up having any stakes. So it's, it's kind of, you know, you have to, to take it into a different viewpoint of whether, you know, it impacts history itself or basically just kind of pare it down to where it's a relationship like what Jeremy was talking about or like, you know, dialogue driven like what Chris was talking about. Well, like, it- Change the whole concept of what you're what you're going
0: for. I'll tell you how your idea might even be intriguing. You, and you sort of touched on this in the last thing you just said there. But what if instead of there – I mean, it seems like we're very American-centric in these comic book heroes and everything. We don't – there's maybe a few others that show up from different countries now and then, but not with the same volume uh, as they come out of America. And I guess that's understandable because most of our comic book heroes are American or whatever. But – Uh, What if, you know, you had a Vietnam War, but Vietnam had their own set of superheroes and they have Mm. to they have to also they're they're using them in the war against our American superheroes. Mm. Um, So so you, you could have something like that and they have their whole different subset and they don't really know what to expect from them because you know maybe they've been hidden by the media nobody knows anything about them the government doesn't know anything about them um so that you know you get somebody like captain america or superman or somebody like that once again crossing the streams but uh you get you get those guys showing up in uh in a war and they don't have any idea what they're about to face yeah yeah so yeah. i mean yeah I like. yeah uh and so I, I think that could definitely work uh I don't think, I mean, I don't think we're making these things up so that, you know, hey, do you think this guy, this thing, do you think this will work, guys? I don't think we're really doing Sold. it. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, mine, uh, my next one that I'm going to talk about is kind of like that. I'm, I'm definitely crossing the streams here. Uh, DC and Marvel uh, are going to go mono a mono on this. Uh, a comic book uh superhero movie where they go into the running man. <laughs> oh, You're gonna say
2: blood sport, but that's just as good.
0: Yeah. Uh Bloodsport would be fine too. Um but I think this I think that immediately you come up with your best superheroes. Uh DC and Marvel both come up with their best superheroes and we seed them like the NCAA tournament and uh and it may not it's not going to be like the running man where you're trying to i don't know trying to get your freedom or whatever maybe it is i don't know uh but you have to seed them and you have to have a number one seed you have to have four number one seeds or whatever you want to do there but right off the bat one of the number one seeds is going to lose that first battle uh three of them are going to stay but one of them's going to lose because this is anything can happen in this motherfucker um and uh so like I think it would be awesome to see one-on-one battles with all these different characters. It could be Marvel versus Marvel, Marvel versus DC, all these different things. Um, I I would love to see those rather than 50 scattered battles at an airport um, with, you know, Captain America, Spider-Man, and et al. I would like to see these guys just going one-on-one.
1: Huh. In a more like systematic environment, is that what you're talking about?
0: Yeah, like uh, what do you mean?
1: In a more systematic, like you, yeah, they like set it up to where you have to fight this person. You have to fight this, this person, situation. rather than
0: you know, oh, Ant Man, he can get, he can be small. He can, uh, uh, he he just decides to go after this one guy in this big, huge melee, which I I'm I get bored with really easy. So um, this is
1: more of like a Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter type of thing, where it's it's one on one. They have to, if they move on, they, you know, advance. and Yeah, I mean,
0: it's more, I mean, but maybe we have something a little bit, uh, a little bit extra thrown in, you know, more running man type sci-fi type stuff thrown in there too. Maybe it is, maybe it is their freedom. Maybe they are in a world where there's cops that can actually arrest these type of, you know, superheroes or whatever. Um But, uh, but I, yeah, it would be kind of like, yeah, I guess blood sport or something like that too, but, uh, or karate kid, if if you wanted to (laughs) say that, but, uh, you know, it's more of a tournament and, you know, I mean, I guess. You know, in these type of battles, it, it all comes down to the screenwriter and the filmmakers as to who they think would win. But and um, the
1: editor, right? <laughs> of, of these, <laughs> these fight scenes,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, I think that would be fun to to have to have them. You know, sort of just go on. You know, and it's just and it's basically a society that maybe is done with superheroes, and uh, maybe all they can do with superheroes now is uh, have them fight for fun. And maybe you'd have to also have to have a sort of a legal system where um, the cops are strong enough to take down superheroes and are able to get them into some sort of arena to fight, or maybe they need it for money. Who knows? (laughs) You know, there's a a whole bunch of ways I would just rather see these guys fight each other one-on-one than I would like to see them uh, scattered across an entire airport or whatever. So, yeah. Um, yeah. even though that airport did have a cameo from the
2: Bluth staircar from Arrested Development,
0: oh yeah, I oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: it but, did. I agree with you.
0: Um, I mean, not to say that that scene doesn't have great moments in it and everything. I just rather see this other other thing go down. So, yeah, yeah no, I'm down. I like that idea a
2: bunch. It, you know, it'll never make it, but
0: it's no, awesome. no, that's right. And uh, is it my turn?
2: Yep. So I actually. <laughs> Because of this podcast, I did – I fell down a rabbit hole of Aquaman knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And actually, when Aquaman – Aquaman came out in like the early 40s as a comic book. And mm-hmm. at the time, most of what he did was fight U-boats in World War II and German, you know, submarines and whatnot. And I was like, god damn, that sounds awesome. So, yeah. like, give me The yeah. Hunter for October or, you know, a movie like that. Probably, again, show me Aquaman – more as something to fear from the perspective of the crew in the boats that are trying to get away from whatever whales or bullshit he's throwing at them. <laughs> um, but I want it to feel like a tense submarine underwater World War II thriller, but with Aquaman
0: and DOS boat. Yeah, <das Boot>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with Aquaman. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I would, I would watch that. I, I, I like pretty much every submarine movie I watch except U five seven one.
1: How are they interacting with with Aquaman though? From the submarine. I didn't
2: go back and read the comics from the, comics from the 40s. I'm just saying that I read on Wikipedia that in the 40s, most of most of his adventures were fighting Germans in World War II underwater. I don't know what he did. I'm speculating.
1: No, I'm just thinking about like this movie. Would it be from the perspective of the Germans or would it be from the no, Aquaman's uh, from perspective? From the
2: perspective of the Germans because I, I think it'd be more interesting – to be like, oh, where is he now? Oh, what's he, what's, he, yeah. what's coming at us now? And um, that would make it more tense. I
0: well, guess. it would be yeah, it'd be interesting to see him sort of direct underwater like this huge battle of some sort. Yeah, you know, yeah. like somehow able to communicate to the subs that you know this is coming, or communicate to these whales, hey, you need to go over there and knock that thing off, or whatever. You know, <laughs> it's like uh uh, it can be a lot of whale carnage in this absolutely, movie, yeah. <laughs> They're just getting in the
1: way. Yeah, of submarines. I want, yeah, I want
0: our, I want our big whale to go over there and and blow this submarine. Just take one for the team. Yeah, blow the submarine up into the water and you know through its blowhole. And, uh, you know, and make it just, you know, you have a scene where the whale goes underneath the submarine and it, and it, and it blows or whatever. And the submarine just rockets into the sky. Okay. Regardless (laughs) of
2: the actual battles and what happens, I'm just saying it would be neat to see a tense submarine movie where instead of like missiles, they're having to dodge a superhero's attacks. I think that'd be interesting.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. I gotcha. Um, Barrett. Yeah. All right. Um,
1: they alluded to this a little bit in X-Men Apocalypse, and it's the ability of uh, Professor X to to get into Apocalypse's head mm-hmm. and get into or, or allow him into his head. <clears throat> and at, at that point, then, you know, they kind of supposedly evened up the, 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 the score and the abilities, and he was able to – it's almost like Freddy Krueger, you're in my world now, you know, that kind of thing. And that was an intriguing thought to me. They, I think they did it terribly. I think it, nothing came out of it. It really didn't mean anything to the overall, you know, conclusion of the movie and everything. But it got me thinking about uh, a movie from 2000, uh, The Cell. Do you yeah. remember The Cell? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh With Vincent D'Onofrio yeah. and uh, Jennifer Lopez and Vince Vaughn. And that was a really interesting concept. Again, kind of, you know, clumsily done. I think that was Tarzan yep. Singh's first movie or uh, directorial uh, de- debut. Yep. But, you know, if you could get like Jean Grey or something like that, uh, or even Professor X or somebody that w- had the ability to transport somebody into somebody else's mind and battle them there with all the kind of strange, absurdist, hyper uh, hyperstylized, you know, backdrops, I think that would be really interesting to see.
0: Sort of a know? superhero inception, I guess. A superhero
1: inception, you know, kind of like uh, the idea with the cell uh, as opposed to something like, you know, Freddy Krueger, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, where it's just kind of a horror film in there. Is that she had to, to, to go deeper to where she kind of like went to the core of who this crazy monster serial killer was. And that's how she extracted the information that she, she needed to, to save these women. Um, and if, if you had kind of that sort of mentality uh, with a superhero um, kind of doing it, it, its own superhero business, you know. I think I think that would be interesting to watch.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I think it would be it would be fun to see them travel into these weird worlds and like all these just different, like you know, like you said, the cell and Inception and all these uh, places where yeah. it's not the physics of everything are not really well known. Um, and they have to sort of adapt to it and, uh, you know, improvise even,
1: Um, Yeah, and it can be as bonkers as you want it to be. I mean, with inception, you know, it was, they had, you know, sort of rules and and structural integrity and things like that, but, uh, it can, it can really be crazy if it's in the right.
0: Well, and, and with inception, you could even have something where, you know, you think that, one person is inside the mind of another person, but there's actually a third person that's sort of controlling everything. They're in, you know, they're inside the mind of someone who is inside the mind of another person. So uh, yeah. there's l- unlimited possibilities uh, on that. I think so. Uh, I, I I would watch that. Yeah, yeah, that totally sounds trippy. Yeah, yeah man. Um, All right, what are you going Yeah, uh, I, I, I the, the last one that I have is. I think it would be good just to have an epic, a regular epic. Um, Not, I mean, I, I, you know, you see them from birth to teenager to, uh, to adult uh, there and to death all through their entire life. Uh, Picking on, you know, uh, three major moments, I guess that happen in their lives where they're, uh, where they were needed and 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 everything, but also going through their loves and their you know losses and all these other different things, uh, you know the uh, the last one that kinda did it but didn't do it like that was Superman. We got to see, you know, kid to teenager to you know to adult, and that's about it. But I want to see the full story in one movie. Yeah, that sounds awesome. You know, dude. you just you just have a whole whole thing where they're they're learning their they're learning their craft, they're learning about the abilities, all this other type of stuff. And then yeah, I mean, I, the first thing that comes to mind, this is going to sound stupid, but Forrest Gump is who is the first thing that pops yeah. in my mind. Uh not not have a superhero that's Forrest Gump, obviously, but uh but sort of go through like at least a good thirty years of his life, um, to the point where, you know, uh I just think it would be nice to see it go past even that point where they're, where they're just, they're approaching death and everything. And wasn't
2: the 10 commandments follow Moses all the way from birth to old man. I think it does. Yeah. Something like that would be rad, man. I really like that idea.
0: Yeah. Um, so I Mm -hmm. think it would be good. Like it, it wouldn't be so action intensive and heavy, but it would have great moments like that. And you would be able to stage them. I believe, uh, a little bit more efficiently than a lot of the comic book movies of today, because every, a lot of these comic book movies now are like, we've got to stick. Is it getting kind of boring? Let's put in some action scene, any action scene. Um, so, you know, I think you'd have three good set pieces in this and then everything else is sort of the drama around his life. You know, that could even work
1: within like an extended universe too, because you can either reference events that are going to take place in a different movie Uh, in that and they could be done off screen or you can have that be a part of the the big action set piece. absolutely
0: yeah like if you did something like batman or whatever you could go through his entire history and i think uh we have we we've gotten to in the comic books like old batman right like have we gotten to dead batman other than the bane stuff
2: he broke his back um But he came back – in the actual comics going on right now, Batman became a god and sat on the chair of knowledge and almost found out who the Joker was. And actually, I think it was three different Jokers. Uh Uh, And for like a year, um, Commissioner Gordon has been wearing a a robo Batman suit uh, playing the role of Batman. Ah, Oh, okay. So,
0: so, so basically the story there has been that when he's aged, it's some other new Batman that's coming through and everything. And in this one, I, I feel like we don't, we don't have anybody who can fill the shoes. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe you do, but I, I I feel like it's better and more dramatic if, if he is special and he's the only person
2: yeah, and when uh, he's gone, that can
0: do it. Yeah. And when he's gone, he's gone. You know, you had an era there where you had where you were able to appreciate him and now he's going and you I don't have anybody see
2: them making this movie, dude.
0: Yeah, I, I yeah. think it would be. I think it, this is the one idea out of all the ones that I had that I felt the strongest about. Um, I felt like this could be something that you could do, and and it would be amazing. And it could, you know, you could do so many things with it. And like, and getting back to what Barrett was talking about with the, the like, if you did it with Batman or something, yeah, you would find you'd find small moments to refer to that you know would be fan service or whatever. You know, like you no. Know. Uh, I just had a thing over at this place or whatever. It was a very, very well-known comic book, you know, that he, he did these different things or whatever. But, um, in, in this idea, you would just have a, I guess you'd have a basic superhero that you, you sort of invented out of thin air, like not anybody that's known. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's sort of, that's what I was going for there. Yeah. That's great. I love it. Okay. So are we ready for some Q and a, I think we are. Yeah. Question. Question. I got something to say. I
2: want the truth. I'm listening. You guys ready? Yep. yep. All right. So we took these from mostly from Twitter, I think, a uh, night or two ago. I asked for some questions. Uh, so the first person we're going to answer their question wanted to know about uh, our favorite movie deaths that were way over the top. mm mm-hmm. um, And uh, I think – we're going to avoid any comedically over-the-top deaths that were over-the-top for the sake of comedy. Hmm, Um, And we're talking about deaths that were supposed to be, you know, in a a realistic, within that movie, setting. And so the first one that came to my mind is one of the most recent, and it's probably not even the best example, but it's that poor assistant girl in Jurassic World who gets absolutely decimated over a period of, like, six minutes by these goddamn pterodactyl whatever-the-hell-they-are. And it's like... Uh, I remember we made a sin about it. She gets dragged underwater. She gets mm-hmm. free so many times. She gets flipped from one to another and she, and she ultimately dies. It's yeah. like one of the most horrific deaths I remember in recent years.
0: Yeah. And they did it on a character that nobody cared about at right. that point. It was just like, Oh, she was supposed to uh, take the kids around and Oh, let's have her have the most horrific death for some reason. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mine is, mine is, I referenced it. I think in our civil war uh, uh, review, uh, is Ultron from Age of Ultron? Oh, he he gets killed so many times. I mean, he, it's it's through the network from Vision, and then it's Vision oh, and true. Captain America and and uh, and everything, and and then you know it's Vision at the end that kills him more. It's like it's like a Rasputin level of of like steps of killing somebody. And he just won't die. And he just keeps coming up and like more serenely uh, getting killed. And it's 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 torturous
0: to watch, I think. But uh, it's way over the top for sure. I um was not. OK, so this one is maybe violates the rules that I'm thinking of here, because I did not know we were not going for. Oh, no, you can name one. I was just uh, the rules don't matter. Okay. Good. I I'm glad they don't matter because I do believe that Samuel Jackson's death in Deep Blue Sea is <laughs> over the top, but it's also humorous um uh, because he is sitting there uh te- you know, he's giving these rallying the troops and everything and he's like we're going to get this thing and blah blah blah. And it's the most surprising moment I've ever seen in a movie theater, I think. Uh, you know, the shark just comes out of nowhere and yeah. and eats him, uh, while he's doing that. And just I I think I was in the middle of shock and laughter during yeah. that entire scene. I mean, Deep Blue Sea, I, I I guess you could almost call that a comedy, the way they they the way they do things, but. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> That's probably the one of the more over the top. Isn't it interesting scene. that okay, at that point in time when that movie
2: was made, the big rally of the troops speech was so overdone that this movie decided to cut into the middle of one for effect and, yeah. and it works. But the actor who was in that movie now makes a living giving stupid rally of the troops speeches. <laughs> <every> <laughs> Marvel movie that yeah,
0: comes out. It's true. <laughs> That's it's so true. That's interesting. true.
2: Um, all right. So uh, so uh, what's the worst movie made by a really good director? Mm. The, the example they gave us was Duncan Jones with Warcraft, which is – I don't think that's a great example because he hasn't made very many movies. Um, and Moon was really good, but I don't know if his resume is such that we can say he's a great director. Who,
0: and he did – he also did Source Code. Um, oh, that was pretty good. Yeah, which was a pretty good mm. movie. Um, but uh, but yeah, anyway, yeah, I know what you're saying. He doesn't have a, a huge resume. Right. That's where you're like, Oh, that, how did he come out with this? Yeah.
2: Now, I will I will say, Brad Bird doesn't have a huge resume. He's only directed five films, but the first mm-hmm. four were A-pluses, and Tomorrowland yep. is not. Uh, but I'm going to sidestep that because, again, I went down a rabbit hole, and I didn't even realize that Sam Raimi directed For the Love of the Game.
0: Oh, wow. Kevin oh, yeah, Costner
2: wow. <laughs> pitching a no-hitter and reflecting back on his life through the no-hitter. It's a terrible movie. One of the only bad sports movies Kevin Costner's ever made.
0: And it was directed by Sam Raimi. Come on. Yep. Wow. I remember this movie coming out and 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 just even then when the trailers were going I was like Sam Raimi are you yeah. fucking kidding me uh, makes no sense. Uh, but it, it's it feels like something where it's like if you do this, we'll give you Spider Man, you know that type of thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know if for love of the game is Sony, but if it is, that tells you <laughs> that tells you the uh, the whole story right there. Um, but yeah, it makes it makes no sense.
1: I got I got a quick one. Uh, intolerable intolerable cruelty uh, uh, with the Cohen brothers. Yeah. I remember very little about this movie besides that I actively disliked it. Um, it's got really good characters in it. It's got really good actors, Clooney, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Billy Bob Thornton. And it's just not well done. I don't think it's very no, funny. I don't. I like you it. know,
0: yeah, I, I, uh, I did not like this movie, but there are some apologists for this movie, um, surprisingly. And there's some people that I would think never would like this movie who do. Um, it's, uh, I, yeah, it's just, a, and they've made a few of these actually in the, in the past few years, even where it's just like, this is just not you guys. I don't know what you're taught, what you're doing.
1: So. Cloney's Clooney, out there. Like he's, he's really trying to bring like the Cary Grant crossed with like over the top comedic uh reactions and everything, which worked for him. At least the latter part of it worked for him in like, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? But this doesn't
0: work yeah um this was uh this is the one that i have is is mentioned on uh, uh jeremy when we emailed and everything jeremy mentioned this one i think but francis ford coppola doing jack um, <laughs> nah. the robin williams as a kid movie um basically <laughs> is what that is um this is the director of the godfather and apocalypse now and all that making this shitty comedy with robin williams Um, and, and I remember in the Nashville scene, uh, one of the, the capsules, it was, I think it was Jim Ridley who was like, I, when I saw the directed by Francis Ford Coppola, he said, I couldn't have been more surprised if it had said, Jack, it's raining cheese. (laughs) 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 It's, it's kind of like that. Uh, because it just doesn't make any sense that he would direct that movie. It's yeah, sort take. of, sort of at the tail. And I don't know, he's not at the tail end of his career, but it was, uh, it was, he was, I don't know. It was in the mid nineties, I think mid to late nineties when that came out. Um, and, uh, he was, I don't know. Coppola was just, I don't know what he was doing in that, in that time. He'd come out with something like the rainmaker, which was fine, but <laughs> like that, <laughs> what was <Yeah>. that, <laughs> you know? Um, I would also put honorable mention as Spielberg in 1941 um, mm-hmm. is another one that doesn't make sense, especially in that trajectory that he was in in the middle of that that great run there. And this is why it's so hard for some of these directors to have a streak like Reiner or John Hughes. You know, Spielberg did Jaws, Close Encounters. And then in the middle of that, 1941, and then Raiders of the Lost Ark and E.T. It's like, what, what, what happened? <laughs> yeah. How would that happen? Um, anyway.
2: I do want to do one more thing. Uh, somebody had asked if we were going to be filming the setup of the studio, and I, I don't think we did. Um, but uh, I do want to know how many people who are out there that would actually want to see video versions of this podcast, not necessarily to see us, uh, like, like listen and then watch it again, but the, maybe those who would prefer for whatever reason, to to have it on YouTube um, as opposed to just audio only. If that exists, we can certainly start setting up cameras in the studio and, and try and start tinkering with that and see what you guys think. But I just wanted to do an informal poll. You can tell me on Twitter. You can tell us on SoundCloud. Uh, do you care? Do you want to see video of the Syncast? And uh, if enough of you do, I guess we'll try and do it
0: okay and uh, speaking of soundcloud uh, keep going to uh, soundcloud for comments and stuff you can also go to twitter and uh, give us your comments tell us what you think of the sincast Um, but uh, that's going to hit it for this one Uh, this is chris atkinson jeremy scott and barrett share signing off we'll see you next time
1: thanks for listening comment on our episodes on our soundcloud page check us out on youtube twitter facebook and reddit be sure to visit CinemaSins.com.
2: That's nice. That's a nice rod. I like that rod. Oh, yeah. That's a Waterworld reference for you right there. Oh, it's That's yeah. a what? That was a Waterworld quote.
0: <laughs> I, um... I uh, was going through, and I found a, a box full of buttons from my movie theater career. Oh, man. Um, and it goes really far back. Um,
2: I used to have such a collection, but I lost it.
0: Oh, that's too bad. Um, buttons, like, from movies? Oh, yeah. Uh, the oldest one, I believe, is Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Wow. Ooh and um that one came out in 93 um and then i saw i had the rock in there i had uh batman and robin hunchback of notre dame um it was a bunch like and like just some weird ones too like titan ae and uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, Dinosaur, and uh, stuff like that. There's a pretty good and varied uh, round of movies in that button collection there.
2: I remember wow. 97 was the first year the theater I worked at had a competing theater in town, so we had to start splitting movies. Mm-hmm. And before the movies came out that year, we were pissed because they were getting um, like – Batman and Robin and all these big movies. And we were getting this weird Men in Black thing no one was sure of yet. And then at right. the end of the summer, we had owned, because all of our, you know, riskier picks or whatever, lesser looking picks dominated the box office. Batman and Robin yeah. was a bomb. So anyway, just funny. Mm, mm,
0: mm-hmm. mm, mm, yes. Mm. Yes, indeed. And mm. mm.
2: mm. mm. Roland Emmerich's newest one. Did you read about this? No, he just sold a, a script to Universal for a, a movie called Moonfall, where it literally is about the moon falling to Earth and a bunch mm. of misfits racing to save the Earth.
0: Well, and that's that's I mean, and this is I, I, I can't wait to actually get into that Independence Day review, but like, um, but like, I have I have a feeling that that Moonfall is going to be just like 2012 and Day After Tomorrow, like yeah. it's going to be the exact same movie. Yeah. Um, it's going to be like, oh, we think the moon is falling. It's going to be on this date. And it'll be like, oh, no, we made a horrible calculation. It's actually a lot faster than that. What is Top Gun? you think it's a story about a bunch of fighter pilots? Yeah, it's about a bunch of guys waving their dicks around. It is a story about a man struggle with his own homosexuality. <laughs>
2: Game over man, it's game over.